welcome to The Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. This day we begin a study of the book of Jeremiah, which is the longest book in the Bible, not by chapter, not by verse, but simply by word count in English. And so we take up that task with today, Jeremiah chapter 1. The words of Jeremiah, the son of Hilkiah, one of the priests who were in Anathoth in the land of Benjamin, to whom the word of Yahweh came in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, in the thirteenth year of his reign. It came also in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and until the end of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, until the captivity of Jerusalem in the fifth month. Now the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But Yahweh said to me, Do not say, I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares Yahweh. Then Yahweh put out his hand and touched my mouth, and Yahweh said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. And the word of Yahweh came to me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then Yahweh said to me, You have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of Yahweh came to me a second time, saying, What do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then Yahweh said to me, Out of the north disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares Yahweh. And they shall come, and every one shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls around, and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work, arise, and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I... Behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls, against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you, for I am with you, declares Yahweh, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. Before we dig into the text, and before you even maybe read the book with your family, a question to start out would be, what are prophets? What do prophets do? You might even see if your children can name any of the prophets that are in the scriptures. Prophets, in the shortest, narrowest sense, speak God's word. And that would be the easiest way to describe a prophet. Oftentimes, especially in the Old Testament scriptures, the prophets take on more of a role than that. They are sometimes given the ability to perform signs, before the people. They are sometimes given the ability to see the future and for the sake of telling the people that future. They call people to repent. 
They announce the result if they refuse to repent. They announce the results should they repent. Words of condemnation, but also words of forgiveness and restoration. So that's more of a fuller picture. But again, the simplest idea of a prophet is they are called by God to speak his word to his people. So Jeremiah is going to be that prophet of the Lord from 628 BC, which is when this text starts today, until 580 BC, roughly, give or take. We know that he is still speaking God's word to his people somewhere into the start of the exile, which occurs in 587, and that he's Well, tradition holds he's killed in exile, although he didn't go with most of them into exile over to Babylon. He will go instead with a few of the the Jews that managed to escape down to Egypt, and he'll be killed by them there because they get tired of hearing him preach God's word. So he is God's prophet to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel has already fallen by this point into the hands of Assyria, And I believe Assyria has already fallen to Babylon, if I'm not mistaken, by 628 BC, um, but certainly by the time of Babylon's conquest of Judah in 587. So we start by learning that Jeremiah comes from a priestly tribe. He's of the Levites, and again, more specifically of the priests within the Levites. Not all Levites are priests. But is he the one referred to here as priest, or is it his father, Hilkiah? that is referred to as the priest in the text. A little harder to tell the referent there. Combining it with the word youth from verse 6, it would make sense to say that Jeremiah himself was not yet a priest, as that priestly service begins later in life. 25, 30 years old, that time frame, and 25 is specified in Numbers chapter 8, verse 24. Numbers 4, again and again and again, we'll say 30. Uh, So you've got those two numbers to consider. The the actual word in verse 6 where he says, I am only a youth, is a Hebrew word that can refer to a boy uh, of really almost any age that we would think of a boy today, including up to the point of being a young man of marriageable age who is not yet married. So that could get into the 20s, uh, for example, at that point as well. So The best way to think of this for Jeremiah is that he has not yet entered into his Levitical service, and instead the Lord is going to appoint him, rather than to serve as a Levite, rather than to follow his father as a priest, he's going to become a prophet, and he's going to speak God's word to his people throughout the land of Judah. It's going to be done throughout the days of the kings Josiah, Jehoiakim, and Zedekiah. Now we skip over there. Jehoahaz, who came in between Josiah and Jehoiakim, and we skip over Jehoiakim, who comes between Jehoiakim and Zedekiah. Those two, Jehoahaz and Jehoiakim, only reigned three months each, and so they just get passed over in this, but it would have been through their time as well. So Jeremiah serves as God's prophet through the reign of five different kings over the nation of Judah. In fact, if you want to count the Babylonian king as well after 587, technically you could even go with the sixth king there. So he's from Anathoth, uh, three miles northeast of Jerusalem, and he continues this service until 587 BC, 
when Jerusalem is captured. So that's what we can gather out of that first paragraph. The rest of our text today is about his call, how the Lord calls Jeremiah into the service of a prophet. And it starts out with words that really are quite familiar to the church today, I think. Uh, In verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Those are often uh, put on plaques in baby rooms, right? Nurseries, I guess they're called, uh, as we, we love this idea. And this is true of everyone. This is God in his omniscience. He does. He knows you even before you're born. He knows you even while you're still in the womb. In fact, he knows you even before you were in the womb. And that's what this is getting at here. God's knowledge, his omniscience, he knows all things already. So these are beloved words for us because it means God knows you, right? Personally, truly, the God who would create you already knew you, already loved you, already planned to form you. And when you get that intentional, that specific about it, it's such a wonderful thing. And the Lutheran tradition, we do this typically not at that side of things. We like to do it when we talk about Christ, right? The gospel is for you, that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, that your sins are forgiven, and that when his body and blood is given to you in the Lord's Supper, this is for your good, right? Jesus died for you. Jesus rose for you. That's common language we're familiar with, and I think we can see that very same language here. Before I formed you in the womb, that very intentionality of God, individual, his love for his creature. You, me, Jeremiah, all of us. The second phrase of verse 5, though, is in this case really only spoken of Jeremiah. In fairness, all three of these lines are spoken to Jeremiah, but we can see how they apply to us in some ways. Verse 5, part 2, before you were born, I consecrated you. That's to make holy. The Lord had already set him apart for a specific purpose. That part is not as true of us. Now, it's possible that some of you were born again, that is, that you received the good news from Christ's word while you were still in the womb. Faith comes by hearing, Romans 10, 17. In that case, these words could be said of you. You were consecrated, you were set apart, you were made holy by the precious word of God himself. This is good, right? But in Jeremiah's case, specifically, talking about, I don't want to use the word vocation limitedly, but it is a vocation, right? Vocation is one of the ways God calls you to serve. And we all have many vocations, multiple of them, not just your career. In this case, profit, though, is the goal. It's the aim. And that's what's going to be said in the third line. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. This, though, ends up being true of all Christians as well. Now, we might hesitate at a statement like that, but this is Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, where we learn that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, even your male servants and your female servants, right? You can read those two verses. This is important to remember, again, to prophesy, to be a prophet, is to speak God's word. You have been called O Christian, to speak the word of God to the nations. 
right? Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So that is our call as Christians, is to share the gospel to the nations, to speak God's word, his truth to the nations. In that way, this regards us as well. But specifically, Jeremiah here, being set apart even from before he was born to serve God in this way. The fullness of an Old Testament prophet, that office coming upon him. Jeremiah resists it at first. Ah, Lord Yahweh, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. That could be a reference to being anywhere from like 7 to 25 years old. Hard to say. Um, He recognizes God, right? And he does have the ability to form sentences. So how old he is here? Teenager, maybe? We, we just, we're not told. His age is unknown to us. But what we do see instead is that it's not about him. It's about God. And this is a comfort to us, too, as Christians today. It's not about you. It's about him. The ability to share the word does not depend on you. It depends on him. It's his word. The ability to convert another person to believe in Jesus is not up to you. It's up to him. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Jesus has already done it. Right? The end of Psalm 22, he has done it. The last words of Jesus on the cross, it is finished. Christ is already victorious over sin, death, and the devil. It's been done. We get to just share the good news. We have the easy job in that, right? It's not about us. It's about him. I know that's distinct from earlier when I was saying how we like to make it all about us, right? Jesus for you. Well, now when it's Jesus for your neighbor, it's not about me, right? It's, it's about Jesus and what he's done for them as I share that good news. So that's God's point here in verses 7 and 8, that he should not fear. Verse 8, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, and he will. And we'll see that as we go through the book of Jeremiah. Those times do come where Jeremiah is in trouble because of preaching God's word, but the Lord provides. So I am only a youth. Don't say that because why? Verse 7, for to all who to whom I send you, you shall go. Whatever I command, you shall speak. Jeremiah, given God's word, and he's going to share it, and God is going to preserve him as he does. Almost Isaiah-like. Isaiah has a vision when he's called to be a prophet, the angel taking the coal, touching it to his lips. Here, though, Yahweh directly takes his hand and puts it on Jeremiah's mouth. And he says, I have put my words in your mouth. There's a beauty to that for us as well as we think of God's word and we can read it, we can memorize it. And so God's word is in our mouth too. We could also talk about Jesus as the word, the word, you know, John 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. And that word of Jesus Christ is placed into our mouth, onto our lips when we have the Lord's Supper. But here, God is saying his command is giving, given over to Jeremiah, his instruction, his word. And he is going to be over, above 
have authority over nations and kingdoms because he's speaking the truth of the God who made those nations and kingdoms. And look at the responsibility to pluck up, break down, to destroy, to overthrow, to build, and to plant. This is what we would call a chiasm, where it's almost like a sandwich, right? That probably makes more sense to you in English. Uh, The chiasm is a a literary term in Hebrew uh, poetry, but you have then the first thing goes with the last, and the next thing in goes with the next thing from the back, and so forth. Like you have the, the loaf, like you get your slices of bread, you've got a slice of bread on each side, and maybe uh, you put some vegetables uh, on top of each piece of bread, and you put cheese and meat in the middle or something like that. That's the kind of a picture here with that literary technique. The first phrase, plucking up, goes with the last phrase, planting. Both farming pictures, right? One good, one bad. Breaking down, building both construction terms, right, going together, destroy and overthrow, then becoming their own word pair in the middle. (laughs) They're not opposites of each other anymore. So these are things God is going to give Jeremiah to do that we will get to witness as we move through his book together. God then gives Jeremiah two visions to end today's text. So the first of those visions is a simple word play in the Hebrew. So he gives Jeremiah an almond branch to see. And the word almond in Hebrew ends up being essentially the same, just a a vocal difference from the word for watching just a little bit later in the, the next verse, right? So verse 11, the word almond in the Hebrew is shakade. When you go to verse 12, we're now going to replace the A sound with an O sound. So instead of shakade, it's shokade. Uh, and so you go from almond to watching. It's a word play that Yahweh is doing here for Jeremiah to know. Shows him an almond branch. Why? Because he's showing him that he has watched over his word. Yahweh is watching over his word. He is with Jeremiah throughout this process. Always. The second vision is of judgment. And it's one of the major focuses of the book that we have before us. A boiling pot, so you think of a boiling pot if it were to fall on you and the, the, the pain, the suffering that, that would bring. Right? So boiling, the heat of God's wrath, you might take that image as well. Facing away from the north, that means it's going to come from the north. And that's the picture God then shares with Jeremiah, that he's going to bring destruction upon Jerusalem, upon Judah, from all, well, against all its walls, all around the cities, because they have been evil against him. They have offered to other gods. They have worshipped their works of their own hands, quite literally. I mean, we do this too. Our TVs, our smartphones, so many more things than that. But they made false gods. They made images. They made statues out of wood, stone, etc., and they worshipped them, quite literally, directly, in this idolatry of the Old Testament era. There are cultures today that still do that. Our culture, we just don't call them gods, but we worship them anyway. And so they are going to be destroyed by all these kingdoms from the north, and the north will be the direction that they end up coming. Instead of crossing the Jordan River to attack, they will come from, so they'll cross Above the Sea of Canareth, and then they'll turn southward. The Babylonian Empire, its capital is going to be off to the east, but it stretches uh, a great distance to the northwest. 
uh, and so they can come again from the, the north to attack. So instead, Jeremiah called to dress himself for work. He's going to speak whatever God gives him to speak. Here's a warning, though. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. The Hebrew word for dismay here is to be filled with terror. So do not be filled with terror by them. Do not be afraid of them, lest I fill you with terror before them. So if Jeremiah if Jeremiah is going to be afraid of them, then God is really going to stoke that fear. Like the Lord is going to make it worse. But if Jeremiah does not fear them, again, the Lord will care for him. The Lord will protect him as he goes to do this work. He's going to make him, and then you get all this defensible stuff in verse 18. He's going to make him like a fortified city, an iron pillar, bronze walls, things that are not easily defeated. Strength is the picture. The Lord is going to do this as he goes against the kings of Judah, again, five of them, its officials, priests, and the people. They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail, for I am with you, declares Yahweh, to deliver you. So we will see that throughout the course of the book. You might wrap up today's conversation with your children by asking how God delivers us. It's not quite the same, right? He does not make us iron pillars. He does not necessarily give us strong defense against this world and its evil ways. But he has already done it by Christ's death and his resurrection for you. You are his. You are redeemed. You are saved. And so even if the world kills us, he has already delivered us. And we get to live forevermore. The body will raise on the last day. Body and soul reunited in paradise forevermore with our Savior Jesus Christ.